we don't want to restrict ourselves when when we're putting this pressure emphasis on creating our own style because it's going to be created by doing what you love and other people are going to take notice of it even if you don't notice it yourself and so when you do try to cultivate and create your own style and you're and you're consciously doing it that's when you can find yourself in a box and you don't want to ever find yourself in this creative box because it doesn't conform with what you think your style should be or what you think that people know you know you by. So uh, I would love to see more people not put so much pressure on, on feeling like they have to develop their own style and just, just let it naturally evolve. Hey, Weekend Hunters, welcome back to the Art of Photography podcast, where we share photographers' journey and we learn how they find hope, purpose, and happiness through their photography. And today we have someone very special, someone who is a dear friend, who's, who take amazing photographs, especially astrophotography, someone who I've admired for a long time, Kenneth Leroy. Uh, Kenneth? How are you? Actually, do I call you Kenny or Kenneth? It's kind of weird. That yeah, dude, either, either one works. Um, yeah, man, what's going on? Uh, good to good to see you here. Um, I I can see I can see this handsome devil right now, but I don't think they can, right? Because the it's on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they, they don't have the privilege of of seeing uh, seeing him all smiles over there. But yeah, no, thank you for. For inviting me on here and you know we've been chit-chatting for a little bit before but uh, i actually have no idea what we're going to talk about here because we talked about a gazillion other things <laughs> um so i'm interested to see kind of where this this podcast goes and yeah man no this, I, I think it's definitely going to be interesting um you know you have a really cool story behind you um a lot of inspiration and you're you know you you do something else that's really cool apart from your photography as an artist, which I'm not going to reveal right now because I want them to, you know, uh, to find out for themselves. And um, I think I, you know what that might be. But uh, yeah, so first of all, man, um, how did you fell into the world of photography? You know, because like, um, you know, you, you were in a totally different, um, different world before, right? So just give us a little bit of background. How did you fell in, uh, into the world of photography? Yeah, so I, I used to, let's see, I'm, for many years I was in front of the camera. So I worked as a, as a model and, you know, I, I spent a lot of time just, just working with other photographers. And I always felt like there was always like this itch that I was like, man, I could, I bet I could do a better job than like a lot of the the photographers that would photograph me, but I never knew, you know, I didn't understand lighting. I didn't know how, how cameras worked. I just, I just felt like I had an eye for, for, um, for photos. And so, so finally I was, I was actually gifted a camera one year and I decided to break it out. I was having a Christmas Eve dinner at my house and I decided to like finally break it out over. I've had it for like two months at this point. I took it out. And my buddy Billy had he was fostering two two kids and he had the two kids over there and we had the Christmas tree. And so he was like, oh, hey, let's get some pictures in front of the Christmas tree. And I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, well, hold on. I have this I have this fancy camera like I'm going to 
I'm going to take these photos and like everyone brought out, you know, broke out their iPhone. And it's like, no, put, put that away. Like I got this covered guys, you know? So I, I grabbed this, this Canon 70 D and I aimed my lens at these kids standing in front of the Christmas tree. And I snapped a photo in automatic and it looks like shit. It was, they were backlit. There was no lights in front of them. There was just, it It was, um, I, I actually started to sweat. Like I could feel the perspiration underneath my shirt because I wasn't able to take. So I was like, oh, here, just in case, you know, these didn't come out. Like, give me your phone. I'll, I'll snap a couple here. Like knowing damn well that no matter what I do here, I have no clue how to take this photo. And at that point, I, I knew that um, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And so my, my friend who lived in Vegas, he was also a photographer. I'd worked with him a bunch of times. So another aspect, I, I was a bodybuilder for most of my adult life. So that's hence like where the modeling came in. And, and so I, I worked with a lot of different photographers. And so this one, this one photographer, he, um, he actually called me up and he said, hey, my mom's flying out to where were we vegas flying out to vegas and i'm going to be teaching her how to shoot portraits and i was wondering if i could use you as a model and i'm like yeah sure i'm like can you actually teach me how to use my camera too so it's like a perfect perfect storm i went over there and i modeled for them but i was able to like be comfortable with asking a gazillion questions right because she was learning too and i took this as an opportunity to learn so i my, my goal at this point was to become like this premier fitness photographer because I knew what it was like to be on the front end of the camera. Like I knew when photographers would show me their back camera, they'd show me like when they finally like took a test shot that looked good, they'd show it. Like I knew what made people feel comfortable because I, I knew what made me comfortable. So I started getting into fitness photography and I really enjoyed it. I started shooting all my friends. Like when I lived in Vegas, like all my friends were like Chippendales and strippers and, you know, like it was, it was a, uh, it was a wild life. And, and, uh, and I had access to like all these, you know, beautiful people in, in, in that type of industry. So, so I was able to, to practice my craft and start to make some money doing it. But as time progressed, I started to, kind of fall out of love with with photographing people because they just I was just running into like so many people that wanted their bodies manipulated or they had a lot of um, self-confidence issues and like I loved photographing people and making them look you know look at I thought everybody is like I do I think everybody is beautiful in their own way and and um and but but some people didn't see it that way and so so my girlfriend at the time was like hey Kenny you should um you should photograph landscapes. And I just kind of like laughed at her. I'm like, why would I do that? It's there's like, you ever drive down, down some highway and you see like these big mountains and you take your phone out as you're driving and you, and you snap a picture and it just looks like a foothill. It's there's nothing impressive about that photo that you just took. Like, that's what I thought landscape photography was. And so I was just like, ew, no, like I wouldn't do that. Um, thanks babe. But no, and so, so uh, a few months later, I find myself in San Francisco and I'm just walking the beach and long story short, I end up taking these, these really beautiful images of the Golden Gate Bridge. And, and I got really, what now I understand were like pretty epic conditions with light and fog. And it just was, was absolutely stunning. And, and, and so I, I actually took a photo that looked like one of those really good landscape 
photographers would would take and and that was the first time that i was like whoa i could i could do i could do this like this looks good and so i became obsessed with trying to find someone that did landscape photography i I didn't know anybody everyone i knew did portraits and that's why it was easy for me to learn that and i just thought that if you're good with portraits you'd be good at landscape photography and everyone that i kept on asking they knew nothing about landscape photography and so i had to just just keep on like taking thousands and thousands and thousands of photos i had no i had no training and just my thought process was like, oh, I just need more expensive gear and then I'll become better. And so I just kept on spending money on lenses. And I wish back then, I wish that I knew that there was like tutorials that you can purchase and mentorships. And I wish that I knew that there was workshops that you could spend money on because I, the hell, I had the money back then where I could have afforded to to invest in my education. But instead I invested in just a bunch of gear that I had to later sell on Facebook marketplace because I never used it. And so, so that's kind of a very long winded talk about how I got into photography. That's really cool. That's really cool to hear. Uh, I, th- I don't think I've, uh, I've heard that story about you taking a photo of that, you know, little kids in the, in um, with the, with the Christmas trees in it, by the way, if you just tune in, it's not what it would sound like. I just realized what that sounded like if people just tune in right there and then. Um, but yeah, um, when you, when you, when you, yeah, I don't think I've heard of that story. So that's, that's really cool. Uh, you know, I think um, a lot of us going through that, that stage that, you know, um, we think that it's, it's as easy as it seems, but it's not really as easy as it seems, you know, it's a lot of work. So, um, um and you know you, you find find that out um the hard way yourself so <laughs> yeah. I, I, what make you fall in love with landscape photography you know um i know you kind of tell the story on how you shift it so from from being a model and stuff like that but what is it the things that really makes you fall in love with landscape uh, as as well as astrophotography right because i think you do a lot uh, a lot of um astro photo um in 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 your portfolio as well yeah i mean what what made me fall in love with it it was um for one is nature like it any excuse that you can get to get out and explore nature is well worth it and before photography it was just you know, I wanted to go on like a few hikes and honestly, it was really to please my girlfriend at the time because she loved going out into nature. So, so I was happy to, to, to go along and we would just, you know, we just explore places. Um, but man, photography gave like this new, new creative way to look at what is already beautiful and to orchestrate it. And in a way that, that, isn't seen or heard or felt by anyone else so you you have this ability to to unleash this creative energy and use it however you see fit and and interpret things um through your lens and so so i fell in love with it because my whole life i felt like i wanted to i I always wished i could sing you you don't want me to sing on your podcast i promise you and um you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, I come from a very creative household. My, my grandfather worked for DC comics. He was a colorist for many, many years. Um, and, and he's just, he was just an amazing uh, painter and, and 
Uh, he was super creative. I'm not, like, I can go down the list, but everyone in my family is like pretty creative. And then there was me who I could manipulate my body. And that's about it. Like I could, I could change my body fat percentage and build muscle and, and compete on a, on a stage. And, and that was like the extent of, of my creativity, like doesn't sound, you know, too, too exciting there, but I always craved another way to, to just like unleash that, that creative side of me. And so, so photography was that outlet. And then it led to other things. Like I write poetry that goes with each of my photos. Now, uh, every photo I publish on Instagram has a poem written specifically for it. So, so that's something that, that developed after photography. So the, the thing, the thing with creativity is once once you start like once you get that ball rolling it just it just it just keeps going and and it just unlocks like all these different sides of you that you never really thought was there or um or just laid laid dormant in you so so photography now i feel i I feel like an artist i feel creative i'm i had this new zest for for life and exploring and this newfound admiration for nature and it's allowed me to to connect with nature just on a more spiritual side too you know just just spending all that time alone because now i've you know i guess this is the part where where you were talking about earlier where people will will find out somewhere in the podcast but i'm i live as a nomad i've lived on the road now for almost five years and so so doing so you find yourself in a lot of situations alone and uh, who was it was it wayne dyer you're, you're you're never lonely if you love who you're with right that's um so you know loving oneself that's that's something that that i think we we can all uh, work on and and being immersed in nature and and, and living alone and traveling alone and, and just being able to experience a lot of these places solo gives you the opportunity to, to work on those things. So, um, I forgot the question. <laughs> I think you just answered that really well, you know, because, uh, it's, it's really fun. I used, I didn't like nature as well. Um, you know, I didn't like um, going on a hike, um, let alone waking up at night to go outside and take photos or to stargaze. Um, but, you know, photography really um, pushed me further and took me out to those worlds, right? It's just something about photography that teach you patience, teach you, you know, um, that you can see beauty, um, uh, even on the most chaotic places. And I think that's what, what we love about photography but um you know one thing that i'm interested in uh to know is um your workflow in photography you know you have when i first come across your works in um when when we first connected in in um lighthouse it was clubhouse, clubhouse sorry not lighthouse. <laughs> yeah clubhouse ages ago it was like, I was just like, man, you have this really distinct um, style and composition, right? And it's like the photo that you've taken is just really unique, uh, whether you, uh, the way you capture it, the way you compose it, or the way you edit it. Um, and what I would like to know from you is what is your source in, of inspiration? What makes you, you know, try to find those unique um, perspective and um, how does that help you to become uh, a photographer that is um, that have your own style, right? I mean, if, if we're talking about a lot of people talking about, yeah, you need to develop your own style. 
you definitely have that, right? But what is that journey to get to where um, that style is like, yep, this is my style and I just love taking photo like that or, you know, edit it the way that is? Um, I, I think this is a, a question that a lot of people ask themselves. And so I, I think this is a great question. Um, it's It's really interesting that, you know, I, I hear this often that I have my own style. I have no idea what my own style is. I don't know what that looks like to other people. And so, um, so, so I do, I think I have some answers to these questions. And I, I think, I think it's a really important question. And I think it's a really important thing to reflect on when you are in a position where, you know, you're coming into photography, you've been told that you've got to find a style. You have to, you know, you're, you're told like, like, like just, just how Stanley said those kind words about, about my style. I have no freaking clue what he's talking about, what that style looks like. But I can tell you what I do really enjoy about photography. And I can tell you that whatever that style is has transitioned because I love what I photograph. And so whatever that style is, that's, that, that's, that's been cultivated by doing what I absolutely love. And, and for me, it's, it's capturing images that are, are not, um, are not like the general images that you see. Um, shooting from the hip, shooting eye level, those are things that I mean. Sometimes, sometimes they're they're worthy shots that that are eye level and, and hip level. But but I think looking at the world in a different perspective, I look at the world in a wide angle lens. That's how I see it. And and when I'm when I'm in a location that perhaps has been been photographed uh, frequently, then you know I'm constantly looking to see how I can capture it differently and. And, and my big thing is, is, is composition It's using wide angle distortion to fill up, fill up the frame with, you know, whether it's flowers or mud cracks or something that, that distortion is going to accentuate whatever it is in the foreground. And I want those leading lines to lead you into the scene. So a lot of my images have this, this foreground element to them and really, really close to this where my is too close to get in of of whatever scene that, that you're that you're putting together yeah it's it's um and so so i, I think kenny it's just, really important when you are sorry kenny yeah. you just broke down there you just have you might just need to repeat the last bit i think the last thing that you get uh, that i got from you was talking about the leading line yeah so so using um so i see the world in in a wide angle so using that distortion and um filling up the foreground with 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 sometimes small elements that appear super big because of that distortion you've got uh and it doesn't have to be focus stacked like i really like getting up and close and personal to to these objects to where you know you've you've got that blurred foreground that layers into something that's in focus that layers into the midground that layers into into something something further away so so for me i'm constantly thinking about like like where's my viewer starting to look at and what is this going to look like when i'm done post processing am i going to put a different sky does this does this require a different sky am i going to accentuate the light where's the light coming from where's the shadows am i going to underexpose which the answer is always yes because i underexpose everything um but there's there's just uh you know going back going back to the question because again it's a really important question i think i think we we don't want to restrict ourselves when 
when we're putting this pressure emphasis on creating our own style because it's going to be created by doing what you love and other people are going to take notice of it even if you don't notice it yourself and so when you do try to cultivate and create your own style and you're and you're consciously doing it that's when you can find yourself in a box and you don't want to ever find yourself in this creative box because it doesn't conform with what you think your style should be or what you think that people know you know you by so um so yeah I, I really love the question and and i love I, I would love to see more people not put so much pressure on on feeling like they have to develop their own style and just just let it naturally evolve man that's that's a whole lot of wisdom right there thanks for sharing that kenny and um <clears throat> one thing that um i find very um very insightful from from what you just shared is that you say that you know you just doing what you love and it transpires to your style right it's just um i think a lot of people trying so hard to look outside of themselves to define their photography when the answer is within them like their their styles should be who they are you know what they love to do you know like for example you love you say yourself you like to underexpose everything you know you <laughs> i remember when when i was asking you this photo to edit this photo i still have it actually in um as um as a cover of my calendar actually uh but yeah, i was like editing and then i was like what do you think and i was like man if i were you i would like darken that way down but i love my moody <laughs> shots <laughs> So that, that yeah. was, I think that was the very first time I, I went really underexposed and, you know, that really changed um, my perspectives uh, in, in, in things, right? And I think that's what's really cool about um, hearing other people's journey, seeing other people's works is that you could open your box just like what you say and try different avenue and see how that fits in your whole art. And I think that's really cool. Um you know, that's, yeah, <laughs> I, I love being able to see that. So, um, yeah, so thanks for sharing that, you know, the source of inspiration. And, um, but one of the things that um, you mentioned earlier, so you, sometimes you, you swap up this, uh, the sky and look at the, the, the lights as well. So is uh, composite photography something that you like, you enjoy doing as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm <clears throat> I I really love all different types of photography and I get I get a sense of satisfaction from from a single exposure, from a single stacked exposure, from a blue hour blend to a blue positive where I'm Milky Way would normally go to just like I'm gonna take 10 different elements from different places that I shoot that night. I'm gonna stick them all together and I'm just gonna have fun in Photoshop. And no one will even know. So that's like, uh, so I, I, I really, really enjoy all the different types. So, um, or, you know, you just shoot like a, like a blue sky and then you swap out a different sky for it. Um, or you just shoot it like, man, everything has its place. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I lean towards any one of the above. Like I, I really, I really just enjoy getting it all in camera in one shot and 
and sometimes not. And just being creative with with what you're seeing in the environment that's around you, you know, actually thinking about like, man, these flowers need to be moved over a little bit. Nature's not going to do it for me, but Photoshop can, you know, so so you can you can kind of like plan that, you know, and, and that's part of the creative journey, too, is is standing in a scene, looking around and going, man this and this if that lined up that would be really really cool and like it almost does but i think i can make this work and so you you put together the pieces of the puzzle there and you make it work and other times other times like it's a single image you could absolutely alter it and composite it and make it just a little bit better but but damn i love that this is a single image and i'm going to keep it like that because i because I just love it being a single image and, and that's, that's how this needs to stay. And so, yeah, man, I don't really gravitate. It's just whatever feels fun and, and yeah, whatever direction. Yeah. I think that's really cool. You know, um, I mean, um, I don't do composite, but um, I have high respect for people who do, who do composite. And I think it's, um, it's an avenue. Uh, it's very similar to what we talked about earlier with styles. Like, I don't think anyone should restrict themselves to, you know, um, to one or the other. At the end of the day, art is about creativity, right? So I love hearing that. But so you are living in an airstream, right? Um, <laughs> and yeah. I think yeah. something that's really cool, something that, you know, I, I always wanted to buy a caravan and just drive all over the world. And one day I will do it, um, you know, when I, able to find money for it um but yeah so so tell us a little bit about your experience being nomad of you know not having like a house that you need to go to where you can decide where you're gonna be this morning and where you're gonna be tonight and how does that um either like help you or challenge you as a photographer yeah man Oh boy, I could talk about nomad life forever. Um, you should definitely, by the way, I, I hope that I, it sounds like you are, but I hope sooner than later you can you can figure out that equation. I, you know, this is this is a lifestyle that that is not for everyone. However, it is for everyone to experience just a piece of it at some point in their life. If you're listening to this podcast, you're you're probably interested in nomad living to some degree because you do photography, and and we know that. We know that that being a landscape photographer, some of the advantages of living on the road is that you can spend extended time periods in one place. You can really learn the terrain. You can kind of wait out for for great conditions and and um, and just have that patience, right? Before I before I moved into this airstream, I again like very very relatable to most people is you set up a trip that's five days and you drive to that location and then you have to drive all the way home and you have to pass all these epic places that oh man how great would it be to spend three days just right here but but you have to get home right because you have people waiting on you you've got a dog that that wants to go home that's sick of sleeping in the car or whatever whatever the case is. so so being able to to lug my home around wherever wherever I want to go is, um, is a, is a huge advantage in, in landscape photography. And it's something, uh, it's something that comes with a price, you know, it's, it's not all, it's not all sunshine and roses in here. Cause yeah, there's no running water. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no, um, 
you know, showers are taken at the gym, sometimes uh, weeks in between, in between showers. And sometimes it's dip in the lake. Sometimes it's, and like, that sounds awesome, right? That's like, man, that's the life. Like sign me up for that. But when you do it for years and years, it's, it, it kind of loses its novelty. And, and, you know, the idea of like sprawling out on the couch and binging on some, on some Netflix or something for like a day or, uh, or like just taking a shower when you want or a bath or just going in the fridge and having an oven. Oh my God, frozen pizzas. That sounds so great right now. So there's, there's so much that, that you give up to, to live, to live this type of lifestyle. But, um, you know, you I also don't have an actual physical address like i don't have a home address it's it's wherever i am like i've got a friend here in gold beach that's like you know 40 minutes north of where i am right now so i've been using his address to send like camera stuff here and like other brands sending stuff and so there's there's um yeah man it's 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 a different kind of lifestyle that i'm not sure how much longer i have that I can, I can do it. Um, but then the idea of, of giving it up also scares the shit out of me. So I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's really cool, man. Like, um, I, I know, I know exactly how that feel. I know exactly how that feel. And that's exactly why I love like living in a car. When I was in Canada, I spent six months in a, at, at the back of Pathfinder. It's not even an Airstream. It's not a camper van. It's literally right. behind <laughs> behind a, a freaking Pathfinder with all my massive luggages. Because, um, you know, I when I moved to Canada, I brought like a bigger luggages. Um, but yeah, like um, I live off a suitcase and a backpack. And it's so liberating knowing that mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about you know, a house, I don't have to worry about, you know, all the other things that I need to go back to. All I need to worry about is here with me today or right now. So I know exactly how you feel, but you're right. Like, you know, it's uh, having, uh, I mean, you're a bit fancier, right? Because you got a microwave there. I saw it there, but I didn't have a microwave. It doesn't work right now. I'm not, I'm not hooked up to, uh, to, you know, shore power. So it, ah. it, yeah, so I, I can't actually use it right now. It's, oh, that's, it's not. That's I'm lovely. sitting in a casino parking lot. This is <laughs> you know, this is this is where my life. I'm sleeping in a casino parking lot tonight. That's awesome. That's you know that's that's always the the challenge, right? Where are you gonna sleep tonight? Like where is where you can uh, park your car and stuff like that. But it's it's so fun and um at the same time it's it's so challenging. So. That's very interesting, you know, like uh, you've, you've been doing it for a while now, you come through a lot of challenges, uh, but you enjoy it. Um, and I think that's the hard thing about everything in life, you know, whether it's um, quitting your job or doing it as a hobby or whatever it is, everything have a give and take. There's something good and something bad about it, right? So when you look back um, to your journey and how far you've come, um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you had to come across, whether it's in photography or business-wise or even mental health and mindset, that you feel like once you overcome this thing, it takes you to this like just new whole world that you know you 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 can you believe nothing is impossible. Is there ever anything in your life that kind of um, you know very 
prominent or very important that um uh, that kind of you know that you had to go through um to take you to the next level um so let me i just want to so all right let me see so the question is um through my photography career right is there um was there like an aha moment or um or like an Sorry, can you rephrase? That yeah, so like I guess what I'm I'm looking for or what I want to know is like uh, what are your biggest challenge you have uh, in your mm. photography journey and you know chasing this lifestyle that is not easy, right? Because um, we all have that one thing that's stopping us, um, you know, to get whether it's a mindset, whether it's uh, our belief system, whether it's money or whatever it may be, right? They, there must yeah. be that, that one or two things that we come across that stopping us from um, either believing in ourselves or continue pursuing what we want to pursue, whatever that may be. Have you ever come across any experiences like that? Yeah, I think I think the challenge with just just monetizing a passion, right? Because for, for one, like you, you want to, you want the world to love photography the way that you do. And, and, and I think, you know, someone who's, someone who's a great teacher has, has great passion for what they do. And when you have great passion for something, sometimes you just assume like, like you, you just think that someone else should, should just feel that same way about it. And then, and you get a reality check that like, Hey, buddy, not everyone's as obsessed as you are over this, okay? Some people are just just hobby and they this is great pastime. This takes them away from work, gives them something to do. And uh and I can like jump back to when I was a personal trainer and when I was when I was a bodybuilder and when I when I was competitive, like I was highly motivated. I I I was a beast, man. Like everything I needed to do to uh, on a competitive level, like I did. You know, like I did it to a T. It was, I was, I was highly motivated. I was very passionate about what I did. And so when I would train other people and they would want to make changes, like I just assumed that they were as passionate to see changes as I was. And so, so I think some of the difficulties and some of like the reality checks that, that I had to get on the road is just that like, not everyone is as passionate about this as you are and that's okay and it is it is completely okay to not be um but but just just understand that you know that's i don't know that was a tangent on on the question um but to kind of revert back to to what you're asking just like with the business part i think um i think business for me has has been been the most challenging is 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 monetizing your passion monetizing this craft and you know, for me, my passion lies in teaching. Like it always has, no matter, no matter what I've done in the past. Like I want people to see things differently. I want them to feel different. I want them like whatever it is in life, whatever it is that I'm teaching, I, I want them to, to feel it. I, I want it to change their lives. And, and through, through monetizing it, like it's, it's hard charging people money to, to, to do that. Like that's, that's something that I want to give for free, but but free doesn't keep gas in my rig and my wheels turning. So I've got to, got to monetize it. And like a lot of us creatives, we're not, we're not built for business. 
And so it's something that we've got to learn. And it's something, it's something challenging. And this is, you know, what, what being an entrepreneur, like, it's not just so easy where, where you start taking pictures, you know, you create an Instagram and then you say, Hey, everybody, uh, you like my pictures? I'm, I'm teaching now. So come do a workshop. And this is not, you know, it's, it's, it's not that easy. Like you really have to market yourself and you have to, you have to wear lots of different hats and living on the road. Like you don't have the luxury of having this, this stable office environment. Like, damn, I'm like, I'm like sitting in, in, in a grocery. I'm like for the last few weeks, I've been, I've been sitting in a Starbucks in a grocery store uh, working every single day, you know, using the Wi-Fi, like building out my website, building out my business and just doing, doing what I need to do to, to plan for my future so that eventually I can afford to have a second residence that is not a tin can. That would be fantastic. So that's kind of what I'm working towards. So yeah, there's, there's always, you know, there's always some challenges, but um, I think, I think that, that answers good question i hope that's interesting so um you know like um i love hearing that um i think it's it's very true that um you know just because um it is our passion not everyone necessarily can relate to that and when it comes to business that becomes a problem you're you're very correct right because at the end of the day if we want to teach something that other people can't relate to then people won't buy it or when won't sign up right so one of the things that you say, um, you know, like um, that I'm pretty sure um, resonate with a lot of people who are listening um, is like uh, just because they're a good photographer or a good um, artist doesn't necessarily mean they can market themselves or self-branding or marketing and stuff like that. And I believe you're, you're, you've, you know, I'm not sure how far have you come, you know, from learning, but you have come a long way, right? Um, you know how to market yourself, you know how to do self-brand and stuff like that. So for those people who are listening right now and who want to be able to either, you know, sell their photography, persuade full-time or part-time or even just as a hobby, uh, what advice do you have for them uh, of, you know, how to learn marketing, learn branding and all this stuff? Is there... Um, a, a, a different place that you recommend to go or different people or, you know, what would you do if you were, um, if you were basically, you know, when you were started? Yeah, that's a great question, man. When, when you get the answer to that, let me know, because I would love to hear it. I don't, I don't, um, I wouldn't consider myself a, a marketing guru. I think I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just someone that, that, that's trying to figure, it out like everybody else you know and trying to figure out what works and and you know maybe some pointers i can give to someone listening that that is in the beginning stages is is really figure out like like what do you want to do do you want to sell prints do you want to do you want to show up to local local places and and um local fairs and sell sell your prints there and talk to people about your art and and most people have other jobs, so it's not really about like monetizing their hobby. And but if but if you are looking to like transition and do this full time, like figure it out what it is that drives you to to love photography. And is it the teaching aspect? Do you want to make a million dollars selling prints? Do you want to sell digital prints? Do you want to sell NFTs? Do you want to like what? Like there's so many different possible revenues 
um, and and just try and like dip your toes in as many as possible and figure out which ones are warm and which ones you like and then and then start to put your focus on that but but you've really got to start with just marketing yourself in a way that is uh, attracts the people that you want like whoever your whoever your um, avatar whoever the people are that you're selling to like those are the people that you want to keep in mind so if you want to sell art then you post photos in picture frames on Instagram and you let people know like, Hey, look, these are in picture frames and I sell art and here's my website. And I'd love to sell you some. I'd love to put some on your wall. I'd love to, you know, talk about it, talk about your passion. It doesn't have to be all polished. It could just like, just being your authentic self. People, people tend to just want to um, want to support those that, that they really enjoy and that, that are just like human, you know, cause we're all just, just human. So I don't know be yourself and and uh and yeah figure out how to market when you do let me know and then give me give me some pointers because i could use some help marketing over here oh that's hilarious um but i love what you say there you know um just figuring out who is your dream um, customer and you know speak to them and i think one of the the thing that I really loved that you said earlier was like being authentic and everything doesn't get polished. It doesn't have to be polished up, right? Because um, I think as a creative, we get really perfectionist about our work because, you know, we're, we're really attached to it. But I think at the end of the day, you know, um, progress, not perfection. That's um, something that's th- that really that quote really changed my mindset and changed how I look at things. So um, thanks for sharing that, Kenny. And that's a really good, um, that's a really good advice. Um, so I want to circle back to your photography, right? Um, you said it earlier that you love taking photo of unique perspective, finding something that's different, even on the places that have been shot many, many times. Right. So yeah. um Take us through what are the different techniques and the different things that other photographers can do, that our listeners can do to be able to create something different, something unique, even from a place that is so popular that get overshot. Um, I know you do very well, you know, doing that. Like, you know, you every time I look at your photo, it's like kind of seen that spot before. And then I look at it, it's like, I know where that spot is, but you know, your the way you present your photography is just very like, you know, out there, right? Just stand out. It's so different. So um yeah, um, if you don't mind, you know, spilling some of that secret to our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I think I think what's what's gonna differentiate your your photography from someone else's is uh, once again, you know, I'm, I sound like a like a broken record here, but it's foreground, man. It, it it has everything to do to do with your foreground, and it's it's important how you're framing your shot and what's coming into each corner of your shot or going out of each corner of your shot. And those are the things that that you want to be aware of, and you want to just take a moment to experience where you are. Uh, be a spectator. Be um, you know, be present and and just take a look around and just have an internal conversation with yourself on what it is that you're seeing. How can I make this different? 
what is it? Oh, wow, there's flowers over there. Okay, there's a slight breeze. I don't know if I want to do, well, if there's a slight breeze, maybe I can get them blurred in the foreground. Um, man, if I get really close to those dead flowers, that could look really, really interesting with them blurred in the foreground. You wouldn't even tell that they're dead. Uh, you know, these are like the types of conversations that you want to have with yourself. And how can I do this differently? Like, wow, you know what? There's there's a bunch of waves here, and this is a lighthouse, and I've never seen anybody shoot during blue hour. Like maybe I can shoot really, really high ISO and get a monster wave right here with the lighthouse um, shining, shining its light. And, you know, there's there's just a lot of different things or or like I know Stanley, you know, we, we love astrophotography and and that's another way to put a spin. I mean, there's so many of us out there now, astrophotographers, but but there's still so many different things that you can do with the stars with um, with just just creating something a bit differently like think outside the box what can you do to make this a different feel a different vibe a different is it a different time of day that you need to photograph in is it certain conditions that that you're going to wait for and um, all of these all start with just this internal conversation with yourself and and really being thoughtful about where you're putting everything in the frame. That is really cool. I never look at it that way, you know, internal conversation. I think that's really, really good tips, um, you know. Um, but yeah, like uh, like what you say, I think it's, it's really cool. Uh, thanks for sharing that, by the way, like all that tips, because like that is a really good way to look at different uh, like the same place at the different uh, at different time right because most of the time you know the the photo that we see um in in instagram or in in you know um trip guides or whatever it'd be like during the day or whatnot so if you want to do something different just do something differently right and i think that's a really cool idea to just go into a different time and I think it's one of the reasons why I like astrophotography because, you know, not many places and spot um, in this world have been shot that way because most of us are, um, you know, most people are sleeping during the time we're up shooting, right? Uh, so that's, that's one way definitely to put something uh, very different. Now, talking about astrophotography, how did your astrophotography journey started? Because um, you know you show you talk about how you um, wanted to be this like the best of the best at shooting you know models, and then you got into landscape, and then um, you know now you're you're uh, you love astrophotography. You you take beautiful, stunning photos of astrophotography. But what got you there, and what make you stay? Yeah. So one day I was walking around uh, the San Francisco area in, in between streetlights, looking up at the sky, trying to see the stars, you know, thinking that if I got away from the street lamp, you know, 30 feet this way, that I would be able to get a good astro shot. <laughs> this is um, what I'm trying to get at is I, I knew absolutely nothing about astro when I was trying to capture it for the first time. <laughs> Uh, so then on my drive home from San Francisco, because I was obsessed with trying to take pictures of the stars, I had no idea that it revolved, you know, I had no idea light pollution would, would in San Francisco was too much to photograph the stars. And so as I'm driving home from San Fran to, to Vegas, there's this exit called ZZYYX, whatever, some crazy boondock like middle of nowhere exit so i pull off of there because I'm, I'm i'm sticking my head out the window and i'm staring up at the sky 
and there's stars. There's there's obviously no moon because I can see all the stars, but I wasn't a conscious thought then. I wasn't thinking about whether the moon is up or not. And so I, I'm like, oh my God, I need to pull over. So I, I finally see this exit. I pull over and I like hop over and there's like this fence and this person has like a green light outside their house. And, and I remember I called my girlfriend at the time and and I took a photo at like 400 ISO because I was told to never go over a hundred ISO. And so I started at 400. I saw a little, I'm like, Oh my God, I see stars. And so I'm like, I'm going to go 800. So I went 800 and then I'm like, babe, I'm going to go 1600. You know, she's getting all the play by play. And she's like, yeah, you go for it, babe. You get that 16. not knowing at all what the hell I'm talking about. So I'm, so I'm at 1600 ISO. Like I am breaking all the rules. I am 1600 or 16 times more than what my ISO should ever be. And I'm getting what is the milky way like i'm like oh my god there's like these really bright parts in the sky and and yeah no idea what i was looking at i was not focused on the stars but it didn't matter i i photographed the milky way and uh and a couple weeks later a buddy of mine who who was good at, at landscape photography who i'd met in san diego needed a jeep to get somewhere and i had a jeep and he was like hey you want to come here? I can teach you how to shoot the stars and you can give me a ride there. I'm like, okay, cool deal. And so we went out there and, and oh boy. So, so my journey started with really, really saturated stars and really high clarity, like bumped up to like probably 80. And that's, that's where my Milky Way journey started. And then I wanted to just get better at it. And I started hanging around with people that, that I guess I did. I don't really remember much about like how it transitioned into i think i just started just thinking it was cool and just going out and shooting more and more and more and then i realized you can stack them for noise reduction so the quality got better and and just over time like i just I, my favorite time to shoot is during blue hour and i love like doing blue hour uh, blends with with milky way and and yeah so it's it's funny because i don't I didn't feel like I was transitioning into like this astrophotographer, but, but people started to just say, Oh, Kenny, the astrophotographer. I'm like, wait, no, I just, I like taking pictures of the stars, but I like taking pictures of everything. But uh, now I've, I've accepted that as, as a compliment. And, and uh, yes, I am Kenny, the astrophotographer amongst other, but I, I love it, man. It's um, you know, I track, I do do a little bit of deep space and, and yeah man it's just like i have a gazillion tracked shots of the milky way and i just i can never have enough even though sometimes i'm just shooting the milky way it doesn't matter just polar aligning that stack that that tracker and shooting all night long and just watching the same milky way that you always photograph just pop up on the back of the screen like there's nothing like nothing feels like that you know it's 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 incredible we're capturing these lights that are that have been out for god i i'm not even gonna sit here and bore you with a bunch of like facts that i don't really know much about but i can tell you that the feeling i get when i'm photographing the night sky is is surreal and unlike anything else and the difference is you have like hours and hours of this epic light right because we're always chasing epic light and whether it's like the morning light or or the sunset or you know that light lasts for 20 minutes 40 minutes 30 minutes you know depending on on what your conditions are but man astro light like that those stars they last all night long sometimes if there's no moon cycle so so there's just so much more more to photograph and there's a 
I think there's there's a bit of challenge in in composing foregrounds during those times, and and I like that challenge. And I know you you love light painting, and and so so there's so many different ways that that you can capture the night sky amongst like foreground elements and and lights and I don't know, man. It's just you see so many creative people out there that are doing like light, not just like, but yeah, like the light painting. But I mean, there's like, oh god, that that one uh is red can't what's her name um damn she does like all these like crazy cool like light painting around people out and eric Payne, and, i think no no it's it's a it's a lady red it's like red something she's damn i can't believe i'm having a mental blank i like i like see her stuff pop up in my feet all the time and like i love it's not my style. Like I'm not really interested in shooting that kind of stuff, but damn, I love seeing her work. I love seeing, seeing the creativity and I don't know, man, there's just something special about, about, about having the privilege to photograph the night sky. Like we're, we are, we are also advocates for preserving our night sky. Like we're, we're, we're part of that. Um, like we are the people that, that raise awareness for, for the light pollution to our skies that, that we're losing. And, and so I, you know, just to jump into a different thing with, um, with, with light pollution, like, I think it's really important what we do and we, we showcase the beauty of the night sky where people, people might live in light polluted areas. They don't get to see it through photographs, but, but more so we're, we're building a community of people that appreciate that. And the more people that actively appreciate the night sky, the easier it will be to help us preserve that. And by preserving, it means like we're losing 2% of our night sky every year and it affects wildlife. It affects animals, it affects plants. It affects, it affects our sleeping patterns. It affects everything. And we're like, if we keep going at this rate, we're not going to be able to see the Milky Way in most places on Earth. And maybe at some point, like like nowhere. And that's scary to think that that we may be like the last generation to get these types of photos. And although, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we'll go down in history. I mean, but but no, no, I want I want our, our future, you know, our future generations to be able to appreciate them the way that we have, the way our ancestors have and so on and so forth. So, so I think it's really important also to, um, to advocate for, for our night skies and to, um, to be a part of, of that change and, and being a part of that is just appreciating the, the photographs that, that people like Stanley and other astrophotographers take. So. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. You know, um, moving here to Indonesia, just couldn't believe the amount of light people uses, you know, to light up a city. I'm just like, you don't, you're not blind. You don't hit that much light. You know, like people would actually put like a stadium light on top of a tower. I was like, why i just don't get it you know uh it's it's crazy man it's it's so crazy and um you know when i share my photo and stuff um in um uh to a lot of the my family and the the local people here they're like this must be fake because you can't see things like this <laughs> it's like well <laughs> if you go far enough from the lights then you can <laughs> but yeah man like I, I absolutely agree you know um, it's I think one of the things that I love about being a travel photographer uh, uh, you know being able to see different places 
and the different problem that they come across, right? Um, I think one of the thing, you know, when when you say that we might be the last generation to be able to capture photo like this, that just breaks my heart. And it's it goes the same way with like all the um, glaciers and stuff like that. You know, they're they're melting, and you know, m not many people are aware of it because they don't see it melt it in in their front eyes, right? right. In, with their own eyes, so. Yeah, it's uh, it's good that you know you're you're you spread um, this kind of awareness and you know spread it to, uh, to more and more people and you know to appreciate the night sky. Um, you know I think we are very passionate about the night sky and uh, the Milky Way, and they are a beautiful, beautiful thing to see, or take photo of. So if we lose that, we lose a whole one massive, massive treasure. Um, so thanks a lot for, you know, um, doing that, Kenny, and, um, you know, for advocating for the night, uh, night sky. Now, we're just coming to the end of our podcast. And there's one thing that I always ask my uh, podcast guests, if there was one advice that you could give either your earlier self or, you know, uh, the listener who haven't gone through it yet, whether it's photography or um, life or whatever it may be, what would that advice be? Um, <laughs> I could say what like first first pops into my head. It's um, like this is gonna sound bad, but be careful who you go into business with. Don't don't go into business with your best friends, and if you do, get it all in writing. Um, uh, yeah, um, that would definitely be something that that I would have to um you know tell tell my my earlier self i'm in the process of rebranding and and uh and revamping my my whole structure of, of business and um i think i think that's really important to to note that that just because they're your best friend doesn't mean that um that you know it's gonna go Anyway, um, I won't go too far into that, but but yeah, I think I think it's it's really important um, with business. Also, also, um, you know, to I I think this, you know, part of me is going to be talking to myself, uh, talking to myself, but I I don't feel like I fall under this category. Um, too much but I see it too often where I think it's something notable that um, don't compare yourself to people and I know like that sounds like yeah okay great that's that's super cliche um, great easier said than done but I swear to you don't compare yourself to others because you are not somebody else and your work will never look like theirs and you know what you're probably being harder on yourself then, then you need to be like, you, you've got to respect where you are in your journey and you have to appreciate what you have created and accomplished. And this is, dude, I, I'm telling you, like I, I, from the bottom of my heart, like that is, that is so important for, for people to hear, but, but not just hear, but like, but like really, really hear that, that, that it's not, you're, Oh, man, you know, I, I just see too often, especially artists, like they're just comparing themselves. And and a lot of it is like the, the clout of like Instagram and things like, oh, man, that person's getting 4000 likes on their on their reel. And I'm getting, you know, 
you know, 26 likes on mine and my stuff's way cooler. Well, well, great. That's, you know, first off, no, you're comparing, you know, nobody's is, you know, they, they've got a better algorithm. Like there's so many other things that, that come into play and, and, and it doesn't matter how many likes that you have on something. Your work is still the same, whether you have 600 million followers or 600 followers, your work is exactly the same. It doesn't change. It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change what your work looks like. Um, it's and and just man, I, I think I think that's super important. And and I really try to try to go down a path where where I am I am not comparing. And if I am comparing, I'm comparing notes. I'm comparing so that I can become better, so that I can see like, wow, this is working for someone. Uh, let me dissect it. Let me see. And it's not to put my own work down. It's not to. It's not to say, yeah, you know, one is better than the other because it's all subjective. Like this is art. This is um, somebody's gonna love love my work and then think Stanley's is like, but um, you know, and then it's gonna be the other way around. Like like Stanley's like the holy grail of astrophotography, and this Kenny guy just can't get it right. You know, so so it's and it doesn't change. My work is still gonna look the same, and Stanley's is still gonna look the same. Um, it's just different perspectives, and you can't please everyone. And that's that's my rant. I don't really have anything um more than that, except like please, people, please don't compare, don't compare yourself to to others. It's only it's unless you're doing it to to compare notes and to see how you can you know you can build yourself up and 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 maybe make fine tunes and find you know find yourself and change i don't know that's that's kind of my way sorry yeah man i think that's awesome i think it's good that you brought that up you know both points for sure um you know uh, <laughs> i think um a lot of us look at um other people and then bring our ourselves down and like what you say you should never do that because your work doesn't change regardless you know whatever happened to it right um and i think i like how you say like you know um it's all about perspective it's all about you know art is about perspective it's about you know just because you, you other people like that one doesn't mean the next person gonna like it because it's never gonna go it's never gonna be good enough and it's it's always going to be good enough it's just a matter of the person who look at it so man that's i think that's a really really good advice um you know i uh i must um i must be honest that um you know sometimes i go through that times where i start comparing and then you know i kind of have to take that step back and like remind myself that it's like oh okay you know um these are the things that you can do or um to to look to 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 as an inspiration to to take that further so i think that's really cool how you say you know compare it compare the notes like take the inspiration and uh, think about how that can help you well what is it what is it that well, real quick i yeah. i just want to so what is it that triggers you to to fall under under that like 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 what is it that that makes you makes you fall under that that mentality and to and to think and and like compare you know because i think it's important to like dive into just the psyche because you know it's it it unfortunately can be a natural um reaction and place for you to go and it's something that is important to to train yourself to to not go there and so i'm curious like even you who like you're standing there going, I know, I know, but damn, even, even sometimes. So, you know, even sometimes I, I fall into it. So what's the trigger? Like, like why, why do you, why do you fall into there? 
Well, it's um, it, it's really funny how you say that because um, you know, this I think I could say about a year, year and a half. Um, you know, I came back to Indonesia and I go through um a lot of the things that I didn't realize that I wasn't um dealing with back when I was a kid, right? Um, fear of ju being judged, right? Um, when I was a kid, for example, or not necessarily when I was a kid, but in general, in this society, um, especially here in Indonesia, we're, we cannot show vulnerability. We cannot look vulnerable, right? We always need to look strong. We always need to be successful, but that's not what real life is about, right? Real life is about failing and failing and failing and learn from your failures. You get back up and you find that success. But that's yeah. not what the society taught us because if you failed at one thing, you're a total loser and you're unworthy of, you know, being a, a kid or whatever, right? So for me, that is the biggest trigger is that, you know, that being um, that fear of judgment, you know, that um, I'm always being compared to. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't know, like, if you know this, but in, in Asian, for example, society, um, the stereotype anyway, right? Um, just so you know, it's a stereotype. Uh, is that like, you know, a lot of times we are compared to and, you know, especially our parents are comparing to for, I think they, they with the right intention, right? They want to say, it's like, oh, look at X, you know, he's so su successful. He got great A's and stuff. It's for a good reason. They want to inspire you so you can be like them, right? But sometimes by, by having that over and over again, you start going like, you start feeling like you're a failure because you, you're, you're not getting what X is getting, right? And I think one of the things that I really I learned like a lot this past year and a half dealing with this is that we don't give ourselves enough credit. When, yeah. when we fail, we, oh man, we bring ourselves down a lot, like a whole lot, like ah, stupid, I shouldn't have done this. I could have known better. Why did I do this? But when when we win, right? When we make small wins, we're like, oh, cool. Next, right? Because <laughs> we're in this society that we are forced to to move forward. It's a fast-pacing society that we're used to go into what's next, what's next, what's next, yeah. right? But we don't spend enough time to stop and celebrate our win. It doesn't matter how big it is, right? Um for a, a really good example, after I, um, you know, after I finish a podcast, I, I don't go, oh, well done. You know, you finish a podcast, you know, like put this together, speak to um, someone new and you're going to put this together and, you know, you bring inspiration to other people. Um, I, I don't do that. Right. And that's actually a good reminder that I should do that. <laughs> but it yeah. that, you know, we, we did so many things for ourselves and we don't get the praise for it from ourselves. And sure. in the contrary, when we did something, even the slightest thing, right? Um, you know, when we export something from Lightroom, the wrong thing, it's like, oh man, why did I do that? I should have known better. It's just exporting, right? It's, we, we punish so much. So I think that's really important to uh, be thankful, show gratitude for what you have and mm -hmm. celebrate your win doesn't matter how small it is and use those small celebration as um uh, as a snowball effect right uh, as a momentum to get more wins out there 
Um, so that's, yeah, for, for me personally, um, uh, you know, it, it's been a long journey to find that out, but that is yeah. the trigger for me. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm always curious what goes into, into other, other, especially artists like, like Psyche on, on, you know, how, how we get to that, that point and, and then becoming aware of it so that, so that we can be more conscientious about the decisions that we make and that that little voice you're talking about in your head that that gets really really loud when 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 there's negative things going on but it gets pretty quiet when the positive things happen so yeah how to kind of minimize that that yeah that dialogue that little gnat there's this book um called um untethered soul no um breaking the habit of being yourself or something along that line by Joe Dispenza. Yeah. And that was just so powerful because the thing is, it's not our fault. It's not anyone's fault, but it's because of the amount of environment and, you know, um, culture, whatever it may be that we are exposed to, we get shaped a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. And when we get a shape certain way, if we don't change that, if we do an act once is just a, 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 an action, right? If do it twice, it becomes a frequency. If you do it over and over again, it becomes a habit. And if right. you don't change that habit, it becomes who you are. And sure. this was the thing, right? Um, there's so many negative things that come into our, our, our life that, that shape who we are today. Um, and unfortunately, because we don't focus on the positive but we focus on the negative, then the negative become the bigger part of it. And therefore, mm-hmm. when any, anything like that happened, it become a trigger. So I think it's important to, like, you're absolutely right, to be able to be conscious about your thoughts, where this coming from. And then once you know that, you can start change them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Kenny, it's been a really good uh, conversation with you. Now, uh, I know you have some incredible, incredible photos. So for those audience who want to see more of your photo, who want to get in touch with you and, you know, learn from you, what is the best way to find you and reach you? Yeah. um, Thanks, man. Uh, Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I've I've really enjoyed chatting with you uh, on here. And like we were talking for a while before this, which actually we talked about none of this so this is a really interesting conversation um but yeah if you're if you're hearing this and you made it this far congratulations um now go check out my work (laughs) Um, yeah so you can go to instagram is my uh krl underscore photo um that seems to be the platform of choice for people my name is Kenneth LaRose, L-E-R-O-S-E, if you want to find me on Twitter. And I do have a website that I am working on right now. I've been working on it every single day that has my workshops. It's just about ready to go live. So I'm guessing by the time that everyone is uh, hearing this, it'll be live. So it's K-R-L photo workshops, plural, dot com. 
And that's going to be the website that showcases all the different workshops. And I think there'll be some prints on there for sale. There might be some other items some tutorials. And there's, there's, some, there's lots of things that I'm building right now and filming for. And hey, there's even a rumor that I might do an astrophotography workshop with this guy, Stanley. I don't know. Talking about doing some wicked hunt in Bali. But yeah. that's just mill right now i don't i don't know how true that is but we'll have to you'll have to check out that website and see if it is <laughs> i love it i love it i love it yeah man it'd be so awesome you know i've um i've connected you for a while i love um i love who you are and the voice that you know the just the positive voice that you always share with people um and you know you're a good poet as well i um you know we didn't get a chance to talk about your poems um today but maybe for, you know, the next podcast. Um, but yeah, man, you're an amazing artist, amazing person. I can't wait to, you know, do this workshop together with you. I think they'd be so awesome. Um, but with that being said, um, really appreciate your time here today, you know, sharing your wisdom, your journey um, to the rest of the audience. And hopefully they can find inspiration from your journey and your wisdom. Yeah, man. Thank you so much uh, for having and, and to everyone listening. You know, I appreciate you sticking around and supporting this guy, Stanley. I don't even think he's plugged himself, but uh, his, his Astro is pretty ridiculous. And and I really look to him for inspiration, especially with like light painting and, and, and single shots, man. A lot of your stuff is just, uh, you know, it's it's pretty wild that they're they're single shots because I know I know I've had this conversation over the past like few years. Every once in a while, I'm like, are you sure that's a single shot? Like Stanley, that's a single shot. He's like, yeah, man. I'm like, geez, wow. So, uh, so really impressive stuff. And, and it's, it's really been an honor and pleasure. And thank you for giving me the space to, to just speak and, and uh, hang out for the last hour and a half or so. Yeah, man. Um, it's funny how you, you know, I think my motivation of to shoot single shot, I mean, there's a couple of things. It's like, I, I love chasing the moments, but the second thing is like, I just, I just can't be bothered to do the post-processing, you know? <laughs> like, I got so many noise stack shots that I just haven't put together. I'm just like, this take too much time. I just do one, do noise reduction. I'm happy with it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, Wiki Hunters, I am glad that you're listening in today. Um, you know, Kenny has been a great friend, and he is um, not only a great photographer, but also a great inspiration. So, be sure to check out um, his work on Instagram, Twitter. And, um, you know, if you're in the Bay Area, he does a lot of workshop as well there. And, you know, he would show you some skills that you would never discover in a lifetime from anyone else. Well, um, I guess I should never say never, you know. <laughs> That's what Taylor uh, Swift say, but... Uh... <laughs> Real, real quick, not the Bay Area, PNW, not yeah, the Bay sorry. Area. Sorry, okay. the same area? No, man, no. Uh, uh. So, so more like the Oregon coast. Like, do a lot on the Oregon coast here. No, the Bay, Wait, Bay Area. Oh, Bay is like further south, eh? No, my yeah. bad, my bad. Yes. No, 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 you're good. I just didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I'm glad. Oh, I don't do you. anything in the Bay Area. Sorry, <laughs> Bay Area. I'm sure. I'm sure you'd you'd love to go go down there and do a workshop there. Sure, so. why not? Yeah. <laughs> and um, he also do private um workshops. So you know, if you don't see anything there that um fits your schedule, hit him up because he does private workshop as well. 
But that, with that being said, um, you know, congratulations for hanging around. Like Kenny said, uh, you know, you get all this wisdom for free from the man himself. And, you know, um, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe and um, check out more of his work. Well, with that being said, Wicked Hunters, stay creative, stay creating, and I'll see you guys next week.